We'll be in Daniel chapter 10 this morning for Sunday school. How's everyone been enjoying our study through the book of Daniel? It's been quite a study, hasn't it? Hard to believe. Now, chapter 11 is a pretty long chapter. That's probably going to take us a couple weeks. But hard to believe we only got a couple chapters left and we'll have finished the book of Daniel. There's quite a bit in chapter 10. I'm a little, I'm optimistic we can get through it, but we will see. I'm not, not convinced we'll make it all the way through, but I'll certainly make a good effort at it. How's that sound? Amen. When you find your way to chapter 10, Daniel chapter 10. Everyone got that? Amen. I'll begin to read here in verse 1 because we've got quite a lot to go over and I'll try to do my best to get through it. So let's get right to it this morning. Daniel chapter 10, starting in verse 1, the scripture reads, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a thing was revealed unto Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. And the thing was true, but the time appointed was long. And he understood the thing and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth, neither did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. And in the four and twentieth day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hedekel, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked. And behold, a certain man, clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Uphaz, his body also was like the barrel, and his face as the appearance of lightning, and his eyes as lamps of fire, and his arms as his his arms and his feet like in color to polished brass, and the voice of his words like the voice of of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Isn't that something? <clears throat> Therefore I was left alone, and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption. And I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of his words, and when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face towards the ground. We'll pause there for a second, and we'll kind of go over what we've already read. So we've got Daniel in the third year of King Cyrus. So put piece that together in your mind. Daniel's seen a lot of kings by this time, hadn't he? This, this guy's been around for a while. He's been in this captivity for a long time. Um, he says here that the thing was true, but the appointed time was long, right? How many of us here today have been serving the Lord for a little while? And we know what the Bible says is true, but it seems like the appointed time is going long. Amen? But you know what? We're waiting 
We're waiting patiently for our Christ, right? Um, I would submit to you this. Uh, you know, Daniel, by this time, has seen quite a lot in his relationship with God. Amen? He's been in this captivity uh, for a long time. Uh, he's seen uh, He's seen a few trials. He's had his faith tested. He's seen a lot of things happen with these changings, changeover of power in these kingdoms. And so I would submit to you today that, the, that those among us today who have served the Lord for many years, like Daniel, they've seen a lot in their waiting on Christ. You've been saved for a while now. You've walked with the Lord for a while. I would, I would say you can probably testify to a few fiery furnaces in your life. Amen? Uh, probably been in a few lion's dens yourself by this time in your walk with the Lord. Seen a few leaders rise and fall, haven't you? Just like Daniel. And just as we look back and appreciate Daniel's testimony at this time, as now he's under King Cyrus, he's seeing these visions. Things are coming together. We talked last week, he's got this prophecy concerning when Christ would come, things concerning the kingdom. Just as we appreciate Daniel's testimony, I want those of you this morning to know that your testimony is also appreciated. And that a lot of us younger Christians draw a lot of strength from the testimony and life lived by the elder Christians. Amen? So receive that blessing today. That I think that uh, we look at Daniel's life, we should have an appreciation for those things that he's went through and his faithfulness to the Lord. All those who serve the Lord faithfully and consistently through the years deserve respect, regardless of titles, positions, or degrees. Amen. Um, we can learn a lot from Daniel, but we learn a lot from one another as well. So I wanted to give that to you this morning. It kind of jumped out at me as I was studying through this chapter and just meditating on those first nine chapters, everything Daniel had been through and stayed faithful. And also, it brings me to this. It says here, he, he has understanding of, of the things in his visions. And then in those days, uh, he says, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. And so we see here a solid man of God. Um, he's had his faith tested. God's never let him down. He knows he, he stands solid for the Lord, and yet we find Daniel mourning. You know the best and the strongest Christians mourn things going on around them. Amen? Mourning things that are happening is not a sign of weakness in faith. It's actually a sign of somebody looking to strengthen their dependence on Christ. Because it's in our mourning we learn that in our brokenness we have to have somebody stronger than us to pull us through. And that's Him. Amen? Um, so we found Him here mourning three weeks. And uh, we see this peculiar fast take place. Uh, I'll point this out to you. It says here, He ate no pleasant bread, neither came flesh nor wine in my mouth. Of course, those that want to excuse, find an excuse for drinking always find verses like these and say, well, Daniel drank wine or it wouldn't have said it. fruit. All right. I think it extends a lot further than wine. I don't think Daniel was drinking alcoholic beverages. You know what? It, what I think the more important thing is he would have had no fruit of the vine. So he did not eat fruit. He did not eat bread and he did not eat meat for three weeks. That's what it, that's what this fast consisted of. 
for him. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to say that anybody here should do this kind of a fast. Whether or not a Christian fast or not is between them and the Lord. Amen? Um, and what that fast would consist of is also between you and the Lord. Uh, it does not tell us here what he did eat, only list what was omitted from his diet. Um, but I would suggest that he probably had vegetables, greens, or maybe beans for proteins if he was to eat at all. I don't, I don't know. It just, I, I, I think that if he was not eating at all, it would have told us that. It just shows us things that were omitted from his diet. And so what he did was he accomplished a 21-day fast. Um, and the purpose of his fast, as far as what he thought, he was in mourning, and so he was fasting to comfort himself. It was a form of comfort. Have you ever been in a place of uh, disquieted in your soul or upset or mourning something? Sometimes you just don't want to eat anyway. Fasting comes a lot easier in those times, amen? Um, and so he fasted, and then we find here at the fulfillment of the 21 days, he lifted up his eyes and he looked, and we see that. In the 4 and 20th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hedekel, then I lifted up mine eyes and looked. If you're down and afflicted, look up. Amen? If, if things have got you down and if you're feeling the affliction of what's going on around you, look up. Look up to the Lord, looking unto Jesus. Now when Daniel looks up, what does he see? He sees a certain man. Now this character that he has a vision of that he sees is fascinating to me. Amen? Uh, it's not like uh, Gabriel. It's not like any any uh, any of the things that he's seen thus far. Here he lifts up his eyes, he looks, and he beholds a certain man clothed in linen, whose loins were girded with fine gold of Uphaz. So we see a certain man. We see fine linen that he's clothed in, uh, and we see that that those linens are lined with gold, right? Um, then it tells us his body also was like the barrel. Now the barrel in the Bible, that's, that um, precious stone is uh, chrysolite. It's called chrysolite. Now um, it, it's got a greenish tint to it. However, chrysolite uh, barrel, the translation from the original language means gold stone. Um, so he's got Fine linens lined with gold, a body like chrysolite, which would be a transparent, clear, very shiny, uh, greenish tint, but a gold stone, right? And let's piece this together in the symbolism that the Bible is giving us here. Gold in the Bible is a symbol for purity. Um, so chrysolite, I want to give you this too, and you may make note of this. Chrysolite was also in the breastplate of Aaron which fashions the breastplate of righteousness, right? So we've got a connection here to purity, a connection to uh, not only the, the, the priesthood, but because it's also in the breastplate of Aaron, but also something that would symbolize righteousness. So purity, righteousness, connected to the priesthood. Also, you'll find chrysolite or beryl as a foundational stone for the new Jerusalem that we find in the book of Revelation. Um, so I don't know about you, but 
we have a, an individual who would be connected with uh, righteousness, with holiness, um, purity, connected to the priesthood, who will be foundational for the new Jerusalem. Uh, you see where I'm going with this? It's kind of pointing towards Jesus Christ, if you ask me. Um, so we've got a man clothed with purity, a body representing purity, righteousness that is connected to both the priesthood and the foundational of the promised future holy city, New Jerusalem, which by the way, will be the eternal home of all redeemed of the Lord one day. Amen. Aren't you looking forward to that? It's going to be amazing to see. We can't even process. Well, our little minds can't even fathom what this is really going to be like. Amen. We have so much to look forward to. But then we see some more here. He says, uh, and his face, we're still in verse 6, and his face as the appearance of lightning. Can you imagine that? So think, consider lightning. I mean, we've seen lightning. It may be a little while since we've seen it in severe weather around here, but... It fla- when it flashes, that is so bright, right? I mean, it's a white light that's bright. It can blind you. It can carry for great distances. Um, so I thought about a face with the appearance of lightning. So I think of the intense of the whiteness of it. Um, and that is biblically representative of holiness, light, Uh, and would be in connection to the brightness of the glory of God. Amen? Um, I think God's allowed us to see lightning just for a little idea, a little glimpse. Because the book of Revelation says it'll be a a white beyond, you know, whiter than snow, whiter than, it'll be a whiteness that until we are taken out of these bodies and given a glorified body that is fit to share these promises that God has for us in eternity, we can't even behold these things on our own. It would be too much for us. The brightness of His glory, amen? But there's little images of it that we see in everyday life and also in Scripture. Uh, And then it tells us here, His eyes is lamps of fire, and His arms and His feet like in color to polished brass. Now I think eyes like fire. Who can look into the eyes of such holiness except those whose sins have been forgiven? Amen? Just like when little kids, and we know we did something wrong, and our daddy or our mommy is coming coming to get us, and what's the first thing you say? Look me in the eye. Look me in the eye. Did you do whatever, such and such, such thing. And you look in the eye and you may have been thinking of lying about it, but now you just can't. Amen? Because something about the look, right? And you think about one day we're going to look into the eyes of Jesus Christ. You ever been convicted about something and just hard to look someone in the eye about something you're convicted of? How much harder is it going to be to look into the eyes of Christ? But when we know that the sins are forgiven and we've had that assurance of our salvation that the slate's been wiped clean, looking into the eyes of Christ will actually be a comfort to us. Amen? It'll be a comfort to us. And we'll still be, at first, you know, for an instant, we'll be sobbing away. Why? Because it says He's going to wipe the tears away. So we're going to have tears. We're going to have tears at first. And, just, and He's going to comfort us because we belong to Him. 
Not so for those that uh, reject Christ. Uh, terrible, terrible fate awaits. We just pray that those who don't have Christ will have a relationship with Christ. But I just thought about the the eyes of fire. And of course, this description, very similar to some description, descriptions of Christ we find in the book of Revelation, is it not? And I won't turn there right now because for the sake of time, but we just see the holiness and the righteousness and, 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 and everything. Uh, think about that with the arms and feet like polished brass. Uh, brass in the Bible, representative of something that is firm, something that is solid. There's nothing more firm than the Word of God, which is Christ. There's nothing more solid than the truth of the Gospel and our Lord Jesus Christ. Brass also representative of that which is long-lasting. Well, there's nothing longer-lasting than Jesus who was before, and He's the beginning and the end, and He's eternal. Right? No known beginning, no known end. He's eternal. So everlasting, and is also uh, symbolic to judgment. And we know judgment belongs to Jesus Christ. Then we hear a description of His voice here in verse 6. And the voice of His words like the voice of a multitude. Uh, other places in the Bible, that multitude is like thunderings, right? Uh, just the voice of our Savior can bring fear and trembling, amen? But also, try to put this in perspective, when Daniel hears his voice, instead of the fear and trembling, which he did have fear, and he tells us this, the voice of Christ brought him comfort. We'll see this here in a second. Um, so let's, uh, I'll submit to you this, the man that Daniel is seeing is Jesus Christ. That's my personal conviction. I think all these things point directly to Jesus Christ. This is a much different uh, description than any of the angels. And so that's who I believe we are looking at. Give me one second here. I still got some sniffles. Especially when I get warm air on my nose. Give me one second, excuse me. I've almost got rid of all that congestion, but I appreciate your patience there. So let's uh, move on here. Let's look at verse. Let's look at verse ten now. Well, actually, no. I don't want to get ahead of myself. Sorry. So he sees Christ. He's he's encountered Christ. This is who he's seeing. Uh, look at verse 7, And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men that were with me saw not the vision, but a great quaking fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision, and there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Uh, so Daniel alone sees the vision. But that which he's seeing, which is Christ, has so much intensity to it that even those who were nearby who didn't see the vision were moved with fear and trembling and had to go hide themselves. Amen? You see that? Isn't that amazing? And so it shows that even those near him sensed uh, the imminency, I guess you could say, uh, behind the vision of Christ. And so I will give this to you today and, I, and, I, and I'll put it in this perspective. There are those around us today 
who have a fear in them out of just the sense of the judgment of God on earth. They don't actually know the Bible. They didn't see the vision, so to speak. They don't have the biblical understanding. They haven't received um, the gospel, but they have enough... uh, They've pieced some things together where they believe that there's a God and they believe that there's going to be a judgment or that the earth is going to fall under judgment. Um, And they they show a lack of understanding of everything that entails. Um, But to them, it just feels like the world's ending, that God's judging the earth. And so they have a fear. Some of them are hiding themselves. I'll give you an example of this. There's people that think if they stock enough food and have enough ammo and have enough guns and a fortified bunk under their house, that they're going to be able to survive whatever comes. My friend, when Jesus comes back, you can have all the bunkers and military strength in the world you you can stockpile. It's not going to save you. They won't. Won't help you one bit. Amen? Uh, You're going to need a relationship with Jesus Christ. You won't be here for that. So we need to get the gospel out so that they understand, yeah, The world's coming under judgment. We can clearly see that the world is not getting better, right? And so it's it's funny to me, you know, we we pray for things like peace. We want to see peace. We don't want to see conflict. You know, we want the Lord to come back, but we want people to get saved. And so sometimes we're divided, you know, we're not necessarily divided, but we're like, Lord, you know, we're ready for you to come back. But at the same time, there's still a lot of people I know I really want to see saved. But you're righteous and holy and who can... Who can argue with your judgment, Lord? When it's time, it's time, and we're ready. We just need to be prepared ourselves. Uh, but but you know we, we're trying to we're trying to lead others to know Him. Um, but people are seeking comfort against the unknown of what could happen and when. Right, the stock market could crash, and all of the financial markets could crash, and then. Iran's going to attack because of the stuff and people would get kind of just build on it and escalate. And it's like, and then we're going to have anarchy in our country and all the power. And you know, all that could very well happen. But the only true comfort in all such woes is to is the knowledge of Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and savior through the gospel. Amen. Um, it is the one thing that we know will sustain us no matter what time brings us. And so I I think we're going to see a little bit more of an understanding with that here in this chapter. These other men that we read about here in verse 8, they left Daniel alone. It kind of stood out to me, this fact. We will all personally stand before the Lord ourselves. Amen? Um, Just us and Him individually and give an account for ourselves before a righteous and holy savior that's a sobering thought amen and so here's daniel here in verse 8 a man with a great testimony as we've already established years of faithful service years of obedience and even him in the presence of christ momentarily had no strength in him. Amen? All of us realize how completely unworthy and undeserving we are in the presence of Christ. It was all by His grace. 
He had no strength in him. His continence had changed. And then it says here that in verse 9, Yet heard I the voice of his words. And when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face and my face towards the ground. You know, we've got an example of this here with Daniel. There's uh, some stuff there with some other prophets as well, where just hearing the voice of God would cause somebody to, you know, uh, face towards the ground or even be on the ground. Uh, we've seen an example of that with Paul. But you know, I'm going to submit this to you today. There's places that teach that this is some kind of normal experience that many believers should experience. And I'm going to tell you, that's not Bible. Okay? It's not Bible. Nothing's telling us that we should be struck down by God and all this stuff and be on the ground and unable, you know. Um, stuff that they do in different places. Look, I'm not blasting on you. I'm not saying name. I'm just saying, be careful for what you hear. Uh, you might hear stuff like that if you watch any of the stuff on television and everything. Um, there was a specific reason why this happened with Daniel, just like there was a specific reason it happened with Paul. Paul received the revelation of the dispensation of grace. There was a specific reason it happened with Ezekiel and other things. And so uh, it's all about a, a personal relationship. We don't need special experiences in our Christian life to be more spiritual than anybody else. Amen? The best experience you ever have is the minute you say to Christ, Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. Forgive me and give me the promise of eternal life. And when you feel that burden of sin lifted off of you and you know the Holy Spirit's coming, things are changing and you're feeling, I know I've gotten saved. That's the best experience you're ever going to have. It's the only one you should be looking for. Amen. Trust your preacher on that. Don't listen to some of these other people with that stuff. But here, Daniel was face towards the ground. Um... And kind of put in a trance, if you would, face to the ground, put in a deep sleep. This was strictly for the communication that took place between him uh, and Christ. And uh, perhaps the deep sleep would have been uh, necessary uh, to encounter Christ. We're talking about a, a pre-incarnate Christ here. So um, I'm sure there was things specific to this, why God felt it was necessary to do this with Daniel, okay? Um, so here he is in a deep sleep. Then look at verse 10. And behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. Amen. The Lord touched him. Who here wants to be touched by the Lord? Amen. You ever heard that song? Glory, glory, glory. Somebody touched me. And I know it was the hand of the Lord. That's what I thought when I seen that. You never heard that. That's popular in some of the Baptist revivals. But I thought glory to God. The Lord Jesus touched him. And then in verse 11, And he said unto me, Now Christ speaks to Daniel. You see this? O Daniel, a man greatly beloved. Do you know today that you're greatly beloved by the Savior Jesus Christ? O Daniel, a man greatly beloved. Understand the words that I speak unto thee. Christ wants us to understand the words that he has spoken. We have the spoken words of Christ in the Holy Bible for us today. Aren't you thankful for that? And he wants us to understand those words. And then he says, and stand upright. For unto thee am I now sent. And when he had spoken this word unto me, I stood trembling. Then said he unto me, fear not. Fear not, Daniel. 
For from the first day that thou didst set thine heart to understand and to chasten thyself, to chasten myself before my, thy God, thy words were heard, and I am come for thy words. He's telling them, I'm answering your prayers. Isn't that powerful? I'm answering your prayers. Don't ever say prayer is not powerful. Here's further biblical evidence of the power of prayer. Uh, but I love that. Fear not. He doesn't want us to have fear. He wants us to be comforted. We will be comforted by the voice of Christ when we hear His voice. Then he says this in verse 13, But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one and twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Excuse me. So, he gets a comfort through the touch from Christ. Uh, the touch of Christ in our life should bring us comfort. Jesus makes him to stand upright. Christ makes us upright. Amen? But we're certainly not upright without Him. Then, He hears His voice. We should hear His voice. And the most important comfort is the voice of Christ. The first thing He says is, fear not. You have nothing to be afraid of. You're greatly beloved. You belong to Me. If you know you've accepted Christ today, you belong to Him. We've got nothing to be afraid of. But now we get into this verse 13, and I think this is fascinating. He says, a prince of Persia, which is a man, withstood him. Who is him? Christ. How many days? 21 days. Um, it just shows you that, uh, and there's another doctrine out there called, quote unquote, irresistible grace. Uh, that's the term that God, you know, it deals with Calvinism, the term that man can't stop God from doing what God, right, listen, God has given man free will, okay? Men do their best naturally to hinder the works of God all of the time. If you want to try to hinder God's work in your life or somebody else's life, you can. I hate to tell you that. You can. You can be a hindrance to somebody else. Amen? And here's proof of it. Because this is Christ. Now, we know that it's hard for our minds to understand it, but here's an example of an earthly king who is hindering the works of Christ um, and this lasts for 21 days. How many days did Daniel fast? 21 days. You know what came to me about this? Daniel thought he was fasting to comfort himself in his mourning. He didn't even understand exactly why he was mourning or why he was fasting. I'll prove it to you. Did Daniel understand at the time of his 21-day fast that it worked in relationship to the 21 days that the works of Christ are being hindered by a king of Persia? He, had, he did not know that at the time. Um, let me ask you this. Did King David, we're switching topics to a different person here, did King David understand why he sometimes felt depression or had... Um, Mourning in his spirit. 
David wrote in the Psalms, Why art thou disquieted within me, O my soul? Can I give you this today? Sometimes, even a righteous and obedient, faithful servant of God can feel mourning and depression and not understand why. I'm going to give you that. I'm telling you, I believe that. And, and, and you may be led into a fast and you may not know why, why you feel like fasting or why you feel, you, you just feel something's off inside or why you feel a depression or why you feel, what the medical world tries to do is tell everyone there's something wrong with you. Take this medicine, come to counseling, you'll feel better. What you need is to just lean on your faith and trust in the Lord and be obedient and sensitive to the Spirit. You may be feeling those things because God has you in a position of interceding for somebody else's needs and you don't even know what you're interceding for but the holy spirit does amen he didn't know why he was on a 21 day fast but christ has revealed this in this chapter uh think about isaiah 58 verse 6 you don't have to turn there but you can write it down that scripture and i'm not quoting it but it teaches us that an acceptable fast does a few things one of which, loose the bands of wickedness. Undo heavy burdens. Free the oppressed. Break every yoke. Here's an example of a 21-day fast Daniel went on. 21 days that the works of Christ, for whatever reason, was being hindered by this king of Persia. Um, but it also, look at what happens here. Look at the conclusion of this. Uh, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia, were in verse 13, withstood me one and twenty days, but lo, Michael. Now here's another one of the archangels, right? We've got Michael and we've got Gabriel or Gabriel. One of the chief, here he's called a chief prince, came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. Now, uh, I'll give you this. You'll see different functions with these two angels in the Bible. Uh, Gabriel uh, gives wisdom and insight, gives the wisdom of God. Michael is seen as a defender or a soldier who represents strength. So he's kind of a, a military figure in those battles, right? I don't want to run out of time on this lesson. This is about to, about to pull it all in perspective for you. Um, and so here we've got Michael who comes to the aid of Christ. We know that that is uh, a biblical thing. They, they, we see that a couple times in the Bible. Uh, and now in verse 14, Now I am come to make thee understand what shall befall thy people in the latter days, for yet the vision is for many days. Um, so now we see um, Christ preparing Daniel for understanding that he doesn't currently have. Let me read out to the end of the chapter, and I'll give you some final, final things pertaining to this um, issue with the king of Persia and Michael the archangel with the Christ works being hindered. Look at this in verse 15. And when he had spoken such words unto me, I set my face towards the ground and I became dumb. Uh, just basically, uh, he was silent. Uh, he's, he's now um, going to listen uh, intently to what the, the words are that are being spoken. And behold, one like the similitude of the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spake and said unto him that stood before me, O my Lord, 
By the vision, my sorrows are turned upon me, and I have retained no strength. For how can the servant of this my Lord talk with this my Lord? For as for me, straightway there remain no strength in me, neither is there breath left in me. I understand his position here. He's saying, how in the world can I be speaking to you, basically, right? I mean, how, what am what, what makes me so that I should be hearing this, listening to the words of Christ, meeting Christ? Um, so it's just a fascinating situation, exchange that's taking place. Um, verse 18, Then there came again and touched me one like the appearance of a man, and he strengthened me and said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be unto thee, be strong, yea, be strong. And when he had spoken unto me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for thou hast strengthened me. Aren't you thankful today that even if you are in a position like Daniel at times where your soul is disquieted within you, you're feeling uh, overwhelmed, I guess, maybe, by the things going on around you, um, you're feeling down about things, or you have a depression even that you don't understand, listen, if you'll lean on your faith, talk to Christ... His words are the same to you today. Fear not. Peace be unto thee. Be strong. And know that Christ is for you. He's fighting the war for you. There may be things going on you don't even understand. It may be all for your... Uh, he may be calling you to intercede for others in prayer. And I'm telling you, prayer is an extremely powerful thing. Uh, and we don't really understand... We know that the Holy Spirit gives us the word in prayer, right? The Holy Spirit knows what we ought to pray for. Um, and so just, just trust. Um, I, don't, I don't like when people are, I just don't understand what's wrong with me. Maybe nothing's wrong with you. Amen? Because God gave us emotions and feelings because we're made in His image. He has feelings and He has emotions too. He just doesn't have the fallen nature of a sinful body uh, that houses him like we do and so we have to try to sort through that battle between flesh and spirit and so here is christ and he is now uh, strengthening daniel god wants to strengthen you today he knows that the path we're on is not an easy one okay verse 20 then said he knowest thou wherefore i come unto thee and now will i return to fight with the prince of persia and when I am gone forth, lo, the prince of Grecia shall come. But I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth. And there is none that, that holdeth with me in these things but Michael your prince. That's pretty, pretty amazing what Christ is revealing here. Um, he reveals... That in the conflicts of Persia and Greece, we've talked about how we had a changing over of these kingdoms, right? That he is behind the scenes at work. The very beginning of this study, when we talked about what was it, the four winds of heaven, I had submitted the theological position that what the Bible was telling us is that kings are rising and falling because of, the, because of God's appointment. Amen? And here we have a situation where God's giving us a glimpse of some of what's happening behind the scenes that we don't see. Um, sometimes we forget when we see all the wars going on around us that even when wicked rulers, kings, presidents, etc. rise to power, attack one another, 
even when wars of carnal objectives are fought between nations, we sometimes forget that there is a righteous and holy God utilizing all spiritual resources fighting the war we cannot see. Fighting the war that we don't see happening. Um, one is a war of flesh and blood. The other is a war of principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, and spiritual wickedness in high places. So while man thinks he's fighting for one agenda, behind the scenes there's really a war between good and evil, between Satan and Christ, that's taking place. Because the bigger, the bigger perspective is that there's an enemy that wants to destroy the works of God. But our Christ is not going to let that happen. Christ is at work to preserve all that which belongs to Him despite the world's best attempt to destroy and hinder His work. Here with Greece and Persia, God had some appointments with that. But you know what? There's a war being fought for each one of our spiritual health today. War between, not between flesh and blood, but against those spiritual conflicts that are taking place all around us. Things that we don't see. Things that we don't particularly even understand all the time. Satan wants to destroy us, our families, our churches. He wants to destroy the redemptive works of Christ. Wants to pull people as far away from the Lord as he can. We need to remember this. The Lord Jesus Christ is fighting for each and every one of us in that war that we cannot see. Hold on to that precious truth today. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for just the power that's in your word, Lord. The encouragement and strength. God, some of us have been fighting for a pretty long time. And uh, we wouldn't still be in that fight if it wasn't for you, Lord. And we thank you how, as, as you strengthened Daniel in this chapter of your word, Lord. As you said, fear not, and you gave a message of peace, and you uh, reassured Daniel that he was beloved, that he belonged to you. Um, you comforted Daniel. Daniel felt your presence, and you showed Daniel that in the midst of the fighting, you're behind the scenes fighting for him, fighting for us, fighting to accomplish your will uh, for your redemptive purposes for man to have the opportunity to accept Christ as Savior and live in eternity with you forever. God, help us just to, to stand on that precious promise this morning. What a powerful lesson. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Uh, I hope it's a blessing and a strength and a help to all that, that have heard it and that will listen to it. Lord, we need you. We can't do anything without you. Uh, even those of us that have here that have served you the longest, would agree with Daniel in your presence, standing right before you. We would have no strength, no comeliness, no confidence of our own, but would wait to hear the comforting uh, words of our Savior speak, Lord. We thank you, God. Be thou our vision, Lord. And um, we thank you that you have laid the foundations that cannot be destroyed, no matter how hard the enemy tries. Lord, strengthen us this week. 
Help us, Lord. Bless the morning worship that is to come and be blessed by our worship. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We need you. In Jesus' name, amen.